Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Tons to get to. So I hope you'll stick with us all three hours, including Mediate, but we'll save that for hour three. Somebody, what's his name, Reed Richardson? What a freak. What a fraud. We'll get to him, but not now. We'll get to the other frauds. I think part of the problem we have, ladies and gentlemen, is most of the people commenting on impeachment have no idea what they're talking about have not studied the subject in any significant way. How many of them actually read the transcript, and it's over at the Library of Congress, I can tell you this, of the trial of Andrew Johnson? I read it. One of my best friends who I grew up with, I've known since fifth grade, Eric Christensen, he and I worked at Landmark Legal Foundation together. And during the Clinton impeachment, he and I and the other team members there went to the Library of Congress and got a copy, made a copy. And we studied it. It's not the shortest document in the world. And we studied it very carefully. Bill Clinton was accused of 11 felonies. Witness tampering, perjury, Obstruction of justice, not of Congress, per se. And in that milieu of issues, abuse of power. Abuse of power in the context of specific felonious allegations. He wasn't indicted. Because the last of the independent counsel, the independent counsel that followed Ken Starr, who is now on President Trump's team was Robert Ray, who's also on President Trump's team. And rather than get involved in a long constitutional battle over the whether or not you can indict a president and to be respectful of the Office of Legal Counsel to decisions, which still are and were the policy of the Department of Justice, that you can't indict a sitting president, a deal was cut with Clinton that he wouldn't be indicted and that effort wouldn't be made. But he had to confess to at least something and apologize. And he did. Then, it wasn't over for Clinton. See, the the federal district judge from Little Rock, Arkansas, the chief judge of that district court Susan Weber Wright well she'd been holding her fire through the impeachment trial 
You see, there was a little problem. She flew to Washington, D.C. for the purpose of ensuring that the president would be treated with respect during the course of the Paula Jones deposition. But the president didn't treat the system with respect or the judge with respect. He was sworn, he was under oath, and he lied. And it wasn't the first time. He lied during his deposition. He lied during his grand jury testimony that was on videotape. He lied a lot. He was trying to fix a trial. He was trying to fix, not reform, I mean like a crook, fix the outcome of the civil case that Paula Jones had brought and that the United States Supreme Court authorized her to bring. She had gone all the way to the Supreme Court to get permission, and she won a pretty substantial decision. Clinton lost. During the course of the Ken Starr investigation, under the independent counsel statute, Bill Clinton asserted every privilege imaginable. Attorney-client privilege, they created a new one that I don't remember, they asserted presidential, executive privilege. And they lost almost every time. Because this had nothing to do with running the state, his official duties, and his innermost circle. The Arkansas Supreme Court, which oversees the bar and lawyers in the state of Arkansas, given Clinton's confessions... And given the fact that Federal District Judge Susan Weber Wright held him in contempt, fined him for the cost of the, tr- of the uh, litigation and the deposition, and it went unchallenged by Bill Clinton in her court because he didn't want an evidentiary hearing. He was disbarred by the Arkansas Supreme Court. He was going to be disbarred by the United States Supreme Court, but he resigned from that bar. Landmark Legal Foundation, I, a good friend of mine, Arthur Ferguson, who you saw in Life, Liberty, and Levin a month or so ago, Pete Hutchison, the current president, and others, we filed the judicial notice, it was called, a very unique, rarely used, mostly unknown to most lawyers, filing with Susan Weber Wright, before the Senate trial, arguing that Clinton should be held in contempt, criminal contempt. And she waited and held him in civil contempt after the Senate trial. People are comparing the Clinton impeachment to the Trump impeachment. I've even heard some newsmen state that, well, Clinton, that was just about sex. Here, we've got real abuse of power by, by Trump. These are serious charges. Trying to elicit a foreign government to interfere with the 2020 election, just as he elicited Russia to interfere with the 2016 election, they say. The Clinton case was not about sex. It was not about sex at all. It was him trying to fix a case, a civil litigation case. It was him about abusing women. 
exposing himself. Not about sex. It's about perverse activity. It's about a powerful man abusing women who work for him. I thought that was serious stuff. We have a whole Me Too movement built around it. And then, to lie to federal judges, to lie to a grand jury, to lie to the American people over and over and over again. That was a proper impeachment. A proper impeachment. Eleven accusations of actual statutory federal felonies. I have gone through the brief that was prepared by these so-called managers of the House. And they're what they really are is radical leftists representing the DNC and the Democrat Party. There's not a single felony, not one, that is asserted because there can't be. There's not one. There's not a single constitutional provision that is asserted as being violated. There can't be. Because he didn't violate any. Not one. There's not a single federal court order that he violated. Because he didn't. So there can't be. This is purely a separation of powers battle. Where the Democrats took over the House, unleashed a torrent of subpoenas against the President, knowing full well that certainly in the vast majority of cases, the President could not comply if we're ever to have separation of powers and independent branches of government that he needed to protect the Oval Office. And believe it or not, future Democrat Presidents. Because Congress doesn't get national security advisors and ex-national security advisors. Congress doesn't get White House counsel and ex-White House counsel. And Congress doesn't get OMB directors and ex-OMB directors. Congress doesn't get individuals who are in the inner circle of the President of the United States. You know why? Because a president cannot function if he can't talk to his national security advisor and his chief of staff and his White House lawyer and so forth, if the opposition party is able to gather that information while he's trying to figure out what to do in certain foreign policy matters, certain domestic matters, certain investigations, and the other party gets access to it. They don't seek to do justice. They're not objective, they're not impartial, despite their propaganda. They seek to destroy him. If it wasn't Ukraine, they tried Russia. If it wasn't Russia, they tried obstruction. If it wasn't obstruction, they tried campaign finance laws. There's still subpoenas out there for the president's bank records, for his taxes, for financial advice he received from his accountants, from his businesses. Subpoenas out there for his children's information. I read 
the Andrew Johnson trial. The radical Republicans, like the radical Democrats today, seized Andrew Johnson's bank records. There was no income tax back then. They seized his bank records. There was nothing there. They seized whatever private information they could against Andrew Johnson. There was nothing there. Andrew Johnson is not a sympathetic figure. Andrew Johnson was in many ways hostile after the Civil War to Reconstruction. Andrew Johnson had a drinking problem. But Andrew Johnson was wronged. You see, the House passed a law saying that the President, Johnson, could not remove a cabinet officer without the permission of Congress. Johnson said, sure I can. He vetoed the bill. The Republicans, after the Civil War, had overwhelming majorities in the House and the Senate. They overrode his veto. Johnson fired his Secretary of War, Stanton, who he had inherited from Lincoln. And he said, I'm going to do this, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. I, the President, run my cabinet, choose my cabinet officers. You get to confirm them, but once they're confirmed, I decide if they stay. So they impeached him. Fifty years later, the Supreme Court issued an opinion that said, 50 years later, Congress cannot, cannot prevent a president from firing cabinet officers. Donald Trump says, you don't get to call my chief of staff, my national security advisor, and so forth. This is my inner circle of advisors. We have Supreme Court decisions that uphold executive privilege. We have Supreme Court decisions that recognize that a president cannot function if the opposition party is sitting in the Oval Office with him, taking notes, and running to the public to try and undermine him. But the House demanded testimony from these individuals anyway. And then dropped it. Adam Smith, Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, saying, every time you do that, Mr. President, we're going to use that as an impeachment fact against you under an impeachment count, obstruction of Congress. You can't stop us. We have a majority. In the Senate today, the debate over witnesses, which you see over TV, they think it's a football game. Will they get witnesses? Won't they get witnesses? Will there be reciprocity? Won't there be reciprocity? They want several of the same witnesses that the president would not agree to or could not agree to in the House. Just like the attempt to prevent Andrew Johnson from firing cabinet members. This is an assault by the Democrats on the Constitution, on the power and independence of the presidency. It is an assault on the separation of powers. 
apart from impeachment, which I've talked about many times. Obstruction of Congress, they call it. This is a disgrace. More when I return. Mark Levin. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So there are a lot of similarities, not perfect parallels, but a lot of similarities about the Democrats' attack on the office of the presidency in order to try and get at the president and destroy him. Apart from their destruction of the impeachment clause of the Constitution, and I'll circle back, I think it is very, very important that this radio show become appointment radio for you during the course of this trial that starts tomorrow. And same with Levin TV and my Fox show. I'm not shooting from the hip. I'm not telling you the way things touchy-feely should be. In a federal courtroom or what have you. It's not a federal courtroom. Robert Ray, who I already mentioned, the second independent counsel on Clinton in the Whitewater matter, said something this morning which is very, very important on Fox. All this talk about impartial justice in a fair trial. Impartial justice in a fair trial is for the defendant, the President of the United States, for the accused, not for the prosecutors, not for the witnesses, not for the press. It's for the man who's targeted that justice is to be impartial and fair. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. 
Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Now let's go over again the impeachment clause of your constitution. There almost wasn't an impeachment clause in your constitution. If you've been listening to this program, you know this to be the case. Imagine yourself sitting in Philadelphia. They sat there a little over five months trying to put together a new national government. A national government that would enshrine the values, principles of the Declaration of Independence. Which concisely lays out why we were founded as a nation. Which is why the progressives have attacked it endlessly as well as the Constitution. So first thing they decided is, we don't want a parliamentary system. It enables the concentration of power. It enables factions to swing from one end to the other as they govern the country. We want as little national government as possible, but we need a national government. We need a treasury. We need to resolve disputes between the states. We need a national boundary, national military, and so forth and so on. And so they come up with these various ideas. How many branches of government there should be? What should they look like? What are the qualifications? Some might serve for life. Some might get elected every two years. Some will be chosen by the state legislature every six years, one-third of the Senate. How the president will be chosen. We don't want a president who's chosen with the whims and factions of a particular moment. Because that could do enormous damage to our country, so they set up the Electoral College to ensure that every corner of the country participates. One corner of the country isn't controlling another corner say, a heavily populated metropolitan area controlling the breadbasket of the country and one destroying the other. How do we bring harmony to this system when we have such a diverse geography, such diverse people, different attitudes? The two things they debated the most, this president... They didn't always call it a president. They created the president. And then later this issue of impeachment. Some of the delegates at the Constitutional Convention said, what do we need impeachment for? If you're going to have an election every four years. That could become the political plaything of certain political groups or entities in the country. It could be very dangerous. Others said, well, what if the president commits some kind of an offense against society? 
a heinous crime. Do we have to wait for the election? Can't do that. Okay, well, if we're going to have this thing called impeachment, which they have in the parliament in Britain, what does it look like? So they looked at the impeachment process in Britain, and they rejected some of it, and they embraced some of it. And they created some of it on their own. So what shall we be able to impeach a president for, and who should do the impeaching? Well, the House of Representatives, they concluded, that would be where the impeachment and impeachment investigation takes place. But every two years they're elected so they can swing from one faction or another. We have to have a check, a strong check. So of a trial, much like the House of Lords, in the Senate, and the Senate shall have the sole power to try. The Senate. But we're going to put in there, in the Constitution, that two-thirds of the senators, two-thirds must vote to convict. Two-thirds. Now keep something in mind, would you? At that time, the Senate was selected by the states, their legislatures, and the two-thirds bar. So it was extremely difficult to remove a president. You better have a damn good reason, and the body politic needs to agree with you. How are you going to get two-thirds of the senators selected by these various states to remove a president? So let me step back a second. How many Republicans in the House of Representatives voted to impeach the president, Mr. Producer? Zero. Do the House Democrats have a huge majority? Small. 31. That's it. Meaning 16. 16. Go Republican, then the Republicans have a majority. A small majority. Democrats only. As soon as they came in office... Moved to impeach the President of the United States. So number one, the framers never had that in mind. Ever. Ever. Which is why they built this structure within the United States Senate to deal with impeachment. Notice one other thing they did not do. They discussed it. They didn't throw the trial to a judicial entity that they created, not the Supreme Court or not any other court counsel or anything else. They debated it, but they rejected it. Why? Because they said the president is chosen through the method that we've created or will create in the Constitution, and we can't have the president removed by a court, by a lifetime appointed court, We can't have, in other words, political motivation on the one hand and then some kind of a legal process on the other hand. What we'll have is a constitutional process, the process we create in the Constitution. It's not purely political, and it's not purely legal. This is why they're floundering around on TV, going back and forth. Must be an impartial process. Well, that's the oath. But it's impartial justice aimed at the President of the United States. 
not the mob in the House of Representatives that has already violated both the intent and the language of the United States Constitution. It's not an impartial process for the Democrats in the House. It's not an impartial process for witnesses. It's an impartial process for the president. And so the Senate is set up this way, and the Chief Justice has a ministerial role, administrative, basically. He's a traffic cop. But why is he in on all this? Because they wanted the full body politic and the full exercise of all the federal branches to be involved, even if it's minimally in the case of the Chief Justice. That's what they wanted. And yet the debate today on television has nothing to do with what was the intent of the framers or what's in the Constitution. Nothing. Will they call witnesses or not? Will it be an impartial and fair process? To whom? To the Democrats, to the House. Well, that's not what impartial and fair justice is about. They're done. They're done. Is it a far and impartial process that we got from the House, ladies and gentlemen? No. And yet they want to transition into the Senate the same mindset that they had in the House. They didn't call witnesses in the House because they didn't want to hear from them. And they were in a rush. They want to call witnesses in the Senate because they want to slow it down make it extremely difficult, and make it look like the president is guilty by calling only certain witnesses. No whistleblower? Nope. Not Adam Schiff? No, whistleblower and Adam Schiff will expose the entire coup. Can't have that. Can't have Hunter Biden? They say he's not a material witness. Is that what the Constitution says? I thought they were talking about impartial justice, meaning for the president. Why can't they call Hunter Biden? Wasn't he the individual the president named? Isn't this what they're hanging their hat on? And tell me, where exactly in that phone call does the president of the United States say, Ukraine, I want you to interfere in the election. Ukraine, I want you to influence the election. Ukraine, I want you to take out Joe Biden. Ukraine, he never says any of that. And yet... The president rightly expected that conversation not only to be secret, but to never see the light of day. He could have said all those things, but he didn't, because he didn't want to. And they're putting words in his mouth. Is that fair and impartial? No, it's not. Not in the least. The impeachment clause has been destroyed. The standard that the framers rejected has been instituted. Fascistic Nancy Pelosi declared an impeachment inquiry without a vote from the House of Representatives. Do you realize there's never been a vote from the House of Representatives? They voted on these obscure rules, but they never formally voted on a flat-out resolution for an inquiry. And you can go back and you can look. What happened in the case of Bill Clinton with the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Henry Hyde? Go look. 
or the impeachment process that, went on, that was taken by the Democrats in the House under Peter Rodino, uh, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Go look. They were rejected by Nancy Pelosi. Look at the rules they put in place. They were rejected by Nancy Pelosi. Look at the due process that was afforded Nixon, Clinton. Now, Nixon was never formally impeached. He resigned. But still, look at the due process. Even Andrew Johnson. None of it was provided to Donald Trump. None of it. And the rules were suspended. Suspended the actual House rules. So the Republicans couldn't call witnesses. So the Republicans couldn't release transcripts of secret testimony in the dungeon of the House of Representatives. So Republicans couldn't provide independent evidence. So Republicans couldn't ask Democrat witnesses questions. Impartial justice. And now they want witnesses in the Senate and they want evidence, including from Lev Parnas, Ukrainian national, who's indicted on multiple felonious counts. That would do impartial justice in the Senate? That would be fair? Chuck Schumer explained in the last few sentences yesterday, aired by CNN, exactly what this is about. The 2020 election, Trump, and taking over the Senate. Schumer said we're going to have vote after vote on witnesses and evidence. We're going to make everybody go on the record. Because he's blackmailing and threatening Susan Collins, who's in a tough race. Cory Gardner in Colorado, who's in a tough race. Tom Tillis in North Carolina, who's in a tough race. And several other senators who are in a tough race. Just as the Democrats in the House of Representatives used the impeachment process not only to destroy the Constitution and then attempt to destroy the office of the presidency, but they have used it in a brazen, raw, bold-faced attempt at winning the House, the Senate, and the presidency in the most destructive act in modern American history. I'll be right back. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership and extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, 
Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Tons more when we come back, including the just-released rules that will be used in the Senate that will be voted on tomorrow. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, what are you not hearing today? What are you not hearing today? Violence in Richmond, Virginia, with the pro-Second Amendment protests, where an enormous number of people turned out to object to the effort by another small minority of Democrats, temporary minority, one in the state Senate, five in the state assembly, who literally seek to confiscate weapons, among other things, to close down private shooting ranges, including the one at the basement of the NRA, which is based in Virginia, and all kinds of outrageous attacks on the Second Amendment, the Bill of Rights. There was no violence today. Looked like they called out the 101st Airborne. No violence today. The media, the Democrats, had you all ready because they want you to believe gun owners are right-wing nuts. Gun owners are you. Gun owners are me. Gun owners are tens of millions of Americans who embrace the Founding Fathers and the Second Amendment and all the amendments. And yet they paint us in these vicious, horrific ways. And I want to thank all those who protest in Richmond, Virginia, where it was freezing. With all the, the scare tactics. Mr. Producer, do you see any news of any vi- uh, violence that took place? None. None. The violence is on the left. Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Various other organizations. The violence is on the left. With abortion. Afterbirth. That's where the violence is. I've only just begun. As General MacArthur said. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I read more substantive historical information as it relates to these events with one eye. One eye tied behind my back. How's that, Mr. Producer? To semi-quote Rush? Um, Than than most of these pundits do with two eyes. Some of them four eyes. All right, here uh, here are the rules submitted 
by Mitch McConnell, and I have to assume the Republicans agreed to it, his caucus in advance. And I'll read to you to him as I, as I receive them here. They're under attack by the left, so they must actually be good. That is, true to the Constitution and the role of the Senate. Resolution to provide for related procedures concerning the articles of impeachment against Donald John Trump, President of the United States. Resolved. That the House of Representatives shall file its record with the Secretary of the Senate, which will consist of those publicly available materials that have been submitted to or produced by the House Judiciary Committee. Got that? Publicly available materials. Including transcripts of public hearings or markups and any materials printed by the House of Representatives or the House Judiciary Committee pursuant to House Resolution 660. Materials in this record may be admitted into evidence by motion made after the Senate has disposed of the question, whether it shall be in order to consider and debate under the impeachment rules any motion to subpoena witnesses or documents. All materials filed pursuant to this paragraph shall be printed and made available to all parties. The President and the House of Representatives shall have until 9 a.m. on Wednesday, January 22nd, to file any motions permitted under the rules of impeachment with the exception of motions to subpoena witnesses or documents or any other evidentiary motion. So, in the, at least in the first round, no witnesses and no new evidence. Quote-unquote evidence. They keep throwing that word around like the information's been tested. All the past evidence, of course, that they had, which is nothing. But, but, President can file any motions permitted under the rules of impeachment, except regarding subpoenaing witnesses or documents. I assume they can file a motion to have it all dismissed. Responses to any such motions shall be filed no later than 11 a.m. on Wednesday, January 22. All materials filed pursuant to this paragraph shall be filed with the Secretary and be printed and made public to all parties. Arguments on such motions shall begin at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, January 22, 2020. So the real battle begins on Wednesday, even though the media are hyping it because they want you to tune in tomorrow. I'm just being honest. And each side may determine the number of persons to make its presentation, following which the Senate shall deliberate, if so ordered under the impeachment rules, and vote on any such motions. Following the disposition of such motions, or if no motions are made, then the House of Representatives shall make its presentation in support of the Articles of Impeachment for a period of time not to exceed 24 hours or up to two session days. (coughs) So in other words, they can split the 24 hours any way they want, but they can't go beyond two days. It's a long time. Just remember, the House of Representatives has weeks, if not months, to make its case. A very one-sided, fascistic case, I might add. Following the House of Representatives' presentation, the President shall make his presentation for a period not to exceed 24 hours or up to uh, two session days. Each side may determine the number of persons to make its presentation. That is, the lawyers. Upon the conclusion of the President's presentation, Senators may question the parties for a period of time not to exceed 16 hours. So they submit their questions in writing to the Chief Justice of the United States, who then reads them. 
On conclusion of questioning by the Senate, there shall be four hours of argument by the parties, equally divided, followed by deliberation by the Senate, if so ordered under the impeachment rules on the question of whether it shall be in order to consider and debate under the impeachment rules any motion to subpoena witnesses or documents. So that's when that would kick in. So in other words, the House makes its presentation. For the first time, the President's lawyers make their presentation. You understand, we've not heard officially from the President's lawyers in all this time. While they keep going on, the Democrats, about impartiality and fairness. The President's lawyers have yet to be heard from. I'm not talking about on TV, I mean formally. It's been all Schiff, all Nadler, all the House managers in the Intelligence Committee, on the Judiciary Committee, the whole time. The entire time. The Senate, without any intervening action, motion, or amendment, shall then decide by the yeas and nays whether it shall be in order to consider and debate under the impeachment rules any motion to submit witnesses or documents. Following, you might say, well, well, that's not a roll call vote. Yeah, but they can call for a roll call vote. Following the disposition of that question, other motions provided under the impeachment rules shall be in order. The Senate agrees to allow either the House of Representatives or the President to subpoena witnesses. The witnesses shall first be deposed, and the Senate shall decide after deposition which witnesses shall testify pursuant to the impeachment rules. Now that's new. Maybe it's part of what the Clinton impeachment process was, but it's certainly new in this context. Now, you know what's interesting about that? If they do that? Isn't that what the Democrats did, Mr. Producer? Didn't they have pre-testimony depositions in their secret bunker in the bottom of the House of Representatives? And then they decided what witnesses would come forward? While McConnell, in some respects, says, okay, well, these witnesses are going to be deposed, and then we'll decide afterwards whether or not there will be witnesses during the course of the trial. No testimony shall be admissible in the Senate unless the parties have had an opportunity to depose such witnesses. In other words, Schiff, you can't just spring people on us, and Schumer, you too. Now, we hope it never gets to that point. At the conclusion of the deliberations by the Senate, the Senate shall vote on each article of impeachment. Now, over at Right Scoop, one of our great authentic websites, the Democrats, you see some of them on TV, on cable, and so forth, are saying, this isn't fair. We need to be able to call witnesses immediately. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for impartiality and fairness, you should not look at the Democrats. None of them. None of them. Quite the opposite. If you want to look at tyranny and fascism, in the case of Pelosi and some of the others, then you look at the Democrats. But why would you look at the Democrats? For a proper process. You wouldn't. They're the ones who brought us to this point, who seek to destroy certain crucially important structures in our Constitution, because they don't give a damn about the Constitution. You're going to hear them talk about 
the founders. You're going to hear them talk about the framers. You're going to hear them talk about the Constitution, wave it around like they care. You're going to hear them use the word impartiality. Impartiality applies to the president, the treatment of the president, not the treatment of Schumer and the Democrats. And just remember, this is a show trial, just as there was a show trial in the House. Just remember, this is intended to help the Democrats in 2020 keep the House, take the Senate, win the presidency. In the meantime, the Democrats are rolling all over your Constitution. They're bulldozing it. That document belongs to you, not to a temporary majority of politicians. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now keep something in mind, folks. The Democrats have already put their proverbial best foot forward. Right? That's what they've done. They've already put forward their proverbial best foot. President's lawyers haven't done anything yet. So the Democrats will get their 24 hours over two days. And then the President's lawyers will get their 24 hours over two days. And I suspect... They're going to eviscerate what the Democrats have done. Because this filing today, the proceedings before the United States Senate trial memorandum of President Donald J. Trump is a killer. Is a killer. And I guarantee you that most of the legal analysts on cable TV, certainly on MSNBC and Constipated News Network, And virtually every one of the hosts and virtually every one of the commentators have not read it. We get, as I call it, unfreedom of the press, thanks to Professor Daniel Borstein, the late great professor, University of Chicago, and then later director of the Library of Congress. Pseudo-events after pseudo-events. I ended the first hour by saying there wasn't any violence in Richmond, Virginia, with the pro Second Amendment, pro-liberty protests, where an enormous number of people showed up. So for days, we had pseudo-news, as the president rightly calls it, fake news. The governor of Virginia, formerly of blackface fame, formerly of post-birth abortions, has now figured out how to win approval by the Washington Compost on the left. We'll get to the Washington Compost. 
Just move hard left. And he brings in all these law enforcement agencies from various counties, from the state, other states, if they'll come, ready for war. Then they got peace. You think there's an Antifa protest? He brings up Charlottesville. He wants you to think all these honorable, tax-paying Americans who are trying to protect their liberty and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights that indeed applies to Democrats, including the governor of Virginia, that they're white supremacists, that they're neo-Nazis. And that's what the media was trying to portray. Thousands and thousands of honorable, hardworking, tax-paying neighbors of yours as something they're not. They're liars. Just like the Covington, Kentucky boys who dared to wear MAGA hats. How they tried to destroy them. They're liars. They're trying to destroy you and the president. They are a dangerous bunch of people. They really are. Here we have a montage of the news media in 1999 during the Clinton impeachment trial. Eleanor Clift, Dan Rather, Al Hunt, Peter Jennings, Charlie Gibson, John Hockenberry, our buddy Geraldo, who's been consistent, and Ginger Thompson. We don't need more witnesses. That's a distraction. Hat tip newsbusters. Cut one go. It's been the whole issue has been a sham. It shouldn't have gotten this far. The House acted improperly in passing it on to the Senate. Why is your party dragging this thing out? Why is this happening? Why go through all this uh, this business about witnesses? Do we really need more witnesses? It's going to add months to this thing. We should stop this. This bogus inflated uh, case. And get on with business of governance. Will these people just get down to business and leave this impeachment thing alone? It's going to be an enormous distraction uh, to the White House and all kinds of issues that the Congress ought to be considering. There's a long line of of the people's business that seems to have been put aside and apparently is going to be put aside for weeks, if not months now. We begin tonight with the voice of the people. The visitor who got up and shouted, God Almighty, take the vote and get it over with. God Almighty the man said take the vote and get it over with you know who the hero of this whole thing is it's the guy who stood up in the senate gallery last week and said good god vote and get over with this will you this process is stalinist his actions certainly do not warrant impeachment is there is there not some concern of the public perception in in some quarters not all of them democratic that this is, in, in fact, a kind of effort at a, quote, coup. That herd of managers from the House. <laughs> I mean, frankly, all they, all they were missing was white sheep. They were like night riders. One White House official told me today, in 20 years, he said, people will remember three things about this, that the president was impeached in the House, that he was acquitted in the Senate, and that the whole thing was a partisan hit job. You know, folks, it's one thing, bad enough, when politicians are hypocrites. But these were all news people all news people and those who are still with us have completely flipped like Chuck Schumer like little Dick Durbin like Nancy Stretch Pelosi Tehran Nancy we know why they flipped their horse, politically speaking 
but so too apparently are the media. Sound just the same. Now Chuck Schumann let the monkey out of the bag, the bird out of the cage, the horse out of the barn. When he had a press conference yesterday in New York, and you're going to be getting these endless press conferences, they're going to be nauseating after a while. Cut to go. The president's afraid of the truth. Most Americans, my guess is even Republicans, know what the truth is and know he's hiding it. What, we, hiding the truth? He released a transcript with many people thought he shouldn't even have done. Of a president-to-president phone call. Has any president ever done that before? He's hiding the truth. Where's the whistleblower? Oh, you can't know his name. Well, why doesn't Adam Schiff tell us about the whistleblower? Yeah, you can't know. No, you can't hear any of that either. You still have the IG's transcript, according to Congressman Doug Collins, that you haven't released. Well, you can't know about that. Hiding the truth? I wonder what Chuck Schumer would say. Listen carefully. I wonder what Chuck Schumer would say if if the executive branch said, look, we're not going to do a criminal investigation yet, but we want all the records, texts, emails of your chief of staff and your general counsel. All of, and by the way, we want their testimony. Couldn't you imagine what we would find? It would expose Schumer for the sleazeball that he absolutely is and always has been. Go ahead. Aim to get the truth and make no, no mistake about it. We will force votes on witnesses and documents. And it will be up to four Republicans to side with the Constitution. So, I told you before... They don't believe in the Constitution, at least not ours. And yet they're going to keep waving it around. And I told you before, they're targeting senators. That's what this is all about, at least largely all about. We're going to force votes. That's what he wants to do. So you and I are paying for, we the taxpayers, during this rogue trial. Commercials that the DNC and these candidates are going to use against Republicans in order to try and take the Senate. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love them. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Let me show you how destructive the Democrats and the Democrat Party is. Or how they are. Even before this trial, they're saying it's a sham trial. Unless they get their way. So unless the president is removed from office, that's what they're really saying. It's a sham. Witnesses, are, it's, it, it's all about creating controversy, headlines, and the commercials for the Democrats. And if the Republicans don't go along, then it's a sham, you see. Now, what the House did, of course, wasn't a sham. That was a pristine impeachment process, like we've never seen before. Absolutely superb. But in the Senate, which actually has rules, and they're going to follow them, that's a sham trial unless the Democrats get their way. Now, if you really believe 
in a healthy civil society, in a constitutional republic where the citizens will stand behind it. Is this how you talk? The 2020 election, if Trump wins, is already a sham election because Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have already told us. In their first round of hypocrisy, that Trump must be impeached and tried and hopefully removed right away because he's encouraging other governments like the Ukraine to get involved in our election. Just as he did, they said in 2016. Now wait, an entire criminal investigation for two years, $40 million, hundreds and hundreds of subpoenas, hundreds and hundreds of witnesses, millions of pages of documents, they didn't find that Trump worked with the Russians to take the 2016 election. Quite the contrary. What's under investigation now is the Obama administration, elements of that administration, Hillary, the DNC, that the Democrats used your federal government to interfere in the election and have spies, spies, ooh, informants, in the Trump campaign. That the FISA court now worked on behalf of the Democrats. I'm convinced of it now, given the individual that they appointed to investigate this whole mess. An Obama guy who worked with Mueller. That's who's going to investigate it. So here's Sherrod Brown, who's a nobody. He's a moron. He's a leftist from Ohio. Here's what he says. Cut three, go. I don't know how you justify not calling witnesses and not introducing new information if it's... it's, um, Related to... I'll tell you how. This guy talks through his ass. He certainly sounds like it, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? <laughs> Let me help you out, dummy. You don't get to keep doing this. Not call witnesses. Then call witnesses. Throw evidence away. Then use evidence you want. This isn't about the Democrat Party. This isn't about Chuck Schumer taking over the Senate. This isn't about the DNC. This isn't about a Democrat nominee. This is about the Constitution. So, of course, Sheriff Brown doesn't understand it. What's this guy do? Gargle with nails, Mr. Producer? Then Jerry Nadler, the face of tyranny. Everybody wants to know what he thinks, of course. So he's all over these phony (coughs) liberal TV networks. Face the nation. Deface the nation. We need more Nadler, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? How many witnesses did he call? Well, some professors and lawyers for the staff of both sides of the House Intelligence Committee. That's it. But now we got to have witnesses. And we don't have witnesses. It's a sham. It's a cover-up. It's a smear. Cut four, go. The question of witnesses uh, in any trial, in any see, trial. See, they want you to think this is a any trial. Like a civil trial or a criminal trial. you got to have witnesses, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, what else do, if you want to play this game about trials, what else do federal judges do? State judges, too. Even county judges, what do they do? 
Can they dismiss charges, Mr. Producer? Can they dismiss cases without having a trial or a full trial? They do it all the time. It means no matter what facts you present us with, listen carefully, no matter what you tell us, it won't matter. Because you don't have the law right. You don't have the law right. So we're going to dismiss it. There's nothing you can say that can fix this. The two impeachment charges are unconstitutional on their face. They don't fit within the box that the framers created. The Democrats don't get to change the Constitution. They don't get to amend the Constitution to accommodate them the way they destroyed the kind of due process that's been provided to past presidents and judges who have faced impeachment in the House. They destroyed the rules. They destroyed the impeachment clause. They don't, you know, we don't, have a, we don't have witnesses. Did you not just hear all these media types at the beginning of this hour say we don't need witnesses? Did you not hear Democrats during the Clinton trial say we don't need witnesses? Yes. All of a sudden, oh, it's a cover-up and a sham. Trials, you got to have a witness. How about investigation? Should you have first-hand witnesses? Yes. So how many first-hand witnesses did, did Nadler call the House Judiciary Committee? Not one. When the Republicans wanted witnesses, did Schiff call them in the House Intelligence? Not one. How about Nadler? Not one. So when you conduct an investigation, don't you need witnesses? Apparently not. Now, if you're confused by this, don't be. These are lying Hypocrites, I've got to watch my tongue, who are doing grave damage to this country. Couldn't wait for the election. No, I've got to get him out as fast as possible. Got to get him out. Maxine Waters said we've got to get him out, so we've got to get him out. All right, I want to tell you about American financing. Refinancing to consolidate debt is an attractive option for a variety of reasons. Makes debt payments more affordable, and oftentimes it can help with building your credit. Now folks, mortgage rates continue to remain low, making it worth your while to consider a mortgage refinance. And you can easily do so with help from my friends in American Financing. I recommend them because they're mortgage consultants are only focused on your goals, so there's never any pressure. No upfront or hidden fees either. Just simple conversations and guidance. They know what you're doing because they've been around for 20 years. Helping people, just like you. Save up to $1,000 a month, sometimes more. Plus, you don't have to restart your loan term, meaning you're not paying interest on years you don't need. Not every lender can do that, but American financing can. So make the 10-minute call now. Get your free mortgage review. Call 888 888 888-900-1828. 888-900-1828. Or go to American There you go. I don't know why people keep emailing me and texting me during the show. It's very, very distracting. Mr. Producer, who is the best caller, please? 
Mike, the great WMAL in Virginia. Go. Yes, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Just wanted yep. to give you an update from the wonderful day we had down in Richmond. Yes, sir. Uh, on the way home, I found out that the governor declared it was a wonderful success because of weeks of planning and all the guards they put up and things of that nature, and I have a rebuttal for him. Mm-hmm. 7,000 of my closest friends and neighbors got to go in and petition their government for redress of grievances because 15,000 of us stood on guard. That's mm-hmm. what happened today. Now, what does that mean? It, there were the uh, latest number that I'm getting is 22,000 people were there in the crowd. According to state police, 7,000 went into the yard to listen to the speech of fine and everything, which means that they actually had to go through screening. They were not carrying a firearm or other weapons. And so, therefore, 7,000 suspended their Second Amendment rights to exercise their First Amendment rights while the rest of us stood guard. Excellent. We were down there collecting signatures for the upcoming Republican process and everything. It was a wonderful day. Not one major event. Nobody got hurt. Nobody was threatened. It was a beautiful day. Law enforcement was top-notch. They, they were very cooperative, very helpful to our people. Um, everybody made sure we thanked them for their professionalism and doing their duty. And uh, it was a beautiful day. We started about 7 o'clock this morning. We wrapped it up about 3 o'clock this afternoon. I uh, just got home about half hour ago by myself. So I just wanted you to know it was a wonderful day. I appreciate everybody that came out here, all the hard work that went into it. And we will see you next year for sure. All right, big guy. Thank you. Will the governor apologize? No, of course not. Governor won't apologize. Lieutenant Governor apologized? No. Man's accused of of raping two people. He hasn't even apologized for that. The Attorney General? No. He's got his own little blackface situation, but they get a pass, you see. Of course they get a pass. It's a disgrace. Absolute disgrace. We're law-abiding people. We support law enforcement. Can't say the same for the left. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. So the Democrats are talking about more witnesses. Well, they didn't have any first-hand witnesses before. More evidence. That it is a sham trial unless they get their way. And besides, if the president wins re-election, it's a sham election. Just listen to these people. Because 2016 was a sham election. So 2016 was a sham, despite their investigations. 2020 is going to be a sham if Trump wins. If they win, of course, it was an outstanding victory. The House system was a pristine system. Pelosi's very proud of them upholding the Constitution. And if they don't get their way in the Senate, that is create yet another spectacle with the poison from the House becoming a cancer in the Senate, then that's a sham too. And the media are all for it. They agree with them. It's not a problem. Chaminade's New Year's inventory clearance sale has been extended for one more week. 
So kick off the new year by looking younger than you ever have. Guaranteed or your money back. That's a big deal. Just listen to Beverly from Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, OMG, she wrote. I love this product. I saw a difference the second time I used it and recommend to everyone if they have a problem with their jawline. Now, just like Beverly, see that double chin and turkey neck disappear with the famous Genesaw jawline treatment with MDL technology. Order right now in the classic Genesaw for eye bags and puffiness is yours free. Plus, Genesaw's immediate effects for results in 12 hours only. Now, during this inventory clearance, you'll get the incredible Genesaw eyelid lift for drooping eyelids, also free. Call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Order today and get Genesel XV anti-wrinkle treatment, also free. All orders will automatically be upgraded to priority shipping for free. That's five free gifts if you order now. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Got a ton to go over hour three, too. Give an example about the media. There's a site called Media. You've heard me refer to it. None of you go there, but nonetheless. It was founded by Dan Abrams. Dan Abrams is a legal analyst for ABC News. ABC News, which is owned by... Who, who owns ABC News, Mr. Producer? Does Disney still own ABC News? And we know all about Iger and the rest. It's a very liberal operation. So it's a major corporate entity, ABC News. So Dan Abrams, apparently in his contract, can do a lot of things. He's extraordinarily left-wing. This site, Mediaite. Day after day, week after week, but particularly after the Sunday shows, is all-out hate against Trump, all-out hate against Fox, all-out hate against anyone who doesn't toe their line. Mediaite is basically a reflection of media matters. And wouldn't you know, Brian Stelter, Helter, Stelter, B.S. Stelter, who's working with HMO as executive producer, on a documentary about how we treat the media. He had a Media Matters guy on his program Sunday. Trash-mouthing Trump, trash-mouthing his supporters, as you might imagine. That's why CNN is a joke and MSNBC is a joke. But CNN's even a bigger joke. You know why? Everybody knows MSNBC is out-of-the-closet, left-wing Cooksville. But CNN pretends to be a news operation. It's even more deceitful than MSLSD. But Mediaite is not a news site. Basically, it's filled with prebubescent frat boys who sit at home in their basement with their laptop and just, ooh, look at this. They produce nothing original. Just take television clips, put their own headlines on them, and spin it. So we're going to address one of these reprobates. I think his name's Reed Richardson. And what a fraud he is. He's against corporate media, don't you know? But there he is. A senior scribbler for media. 
which is founded by Abrams, who works for ABC News, which is owned by Disney. He's not on his own. doesn't have his own blog, if you will. He hasn't created his own resistance to corporate media. Yet he writes over and over again, trashing corporate media. He is corporate media, but he's worse. He's a clown. And I'll explain why in the next hour. But there's also other things to get to here. What are the other things? Among the other points I've made about this impeachment and trial, there's two others. Number one, it's an attempt to immunize the Bidens. The Bidens are corrupt. Peter Schweitzer has a new book out. There's a piece in today's New York Post I want to get to in the next hour. How five members of Joe Biden's family got rich through his connections. And the goal here, you see is anybody who dares calls for an investigation of the Bidens is interfering with the election. You can investigate Trump, you can impeach him, you can have a trial right up to election day in order to try and cripple him and make it impossible for him to win. That's the goal. And to take the Senate and hold the House. But don't you dare look into the Bidens. And the other reason I've argued was actually brought up to me by a very intelligent neighbor. You hear Nancy Pelosi, well, he's going to be forever impeached. <laughs> and you're going to be forever a fascist. But that said, if there's a vacancy on the Supreme Court before the election, they will use the fact that the president was impeached to prevent him from replacing that slot. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Let me show you how it works. For the 1,000th time, before we get to the real news, Reed Richardson is a leftist. He's sort of been hanging around for a few years, has an article published here and there, and he found a home at Mediate. It's not hard. Standards are quite low. For the most part, they have a few, you know, a few who aren't radical leftists, but not many. They throw them in there like CNN, so, you know, you can actually think they're, they're serious. But they're not. And so this guy's been writing for left-wing causes for a long time. Hates corporate media, even though he works for one. But he hates you more. Hates Trump. Hates conservatives. Hates Fox. Hates me. Kind of a psycho, in my humble opinion, but what do I know? So we had a wonderful interview with Congressman Doug Collins, the ranking Republican on the Judiciary Committee. Here's, in part, a few minutes of it. Cut 21, go. The House of Representatives conducting an investigation. Mm -hmm. One party controls the House of Representatives. (laughs) And one party wanted to impeach the President of the United States, not a single Republican. I don't believe this has ever happened before (laughs) in American history. The president is denied due process. I'm not talking about the Bill of Rights. I'm talking about the kind of due process past presidents have had, judges have had, who have faced situations like this. Basic 
Magna Carta type due process <laughs> that people are supposed to get. Exactly. The president gets less due process than the terrorists on 9-11 get. They get habeas corpus rights and all these other... The president gets no rights. This is what causes no attention. The 9-11 terrorists. They're all dead. Now, here's the funny thing. When I got home after that interview, I said to my wife, you watch how this is twisted by either Media Matters or one of their offshoots. And it turns out it's Mediaite. Got it wrong, but it's one of them. And then they pick it up here and there. And say, Jeez. What I'm talking about is what you know. And I even mentioned habeas corpus. There was a decision, the Hamdi versus Rumsfeld decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, ultimately in 2004. But it was born out of the 9-11 attack on the United States and the war on terrorism. That's what is understood. That's what's meant. Now, as even Lawfare points out, Hamdi, a U.S. citizen, Detained as an unlawful enemy combatant, challenged the legality of his detention. The court rejected his argument that the president lacked authority to detain citizen enemy combatants, holding that Congress's enactment of the 2011 AUMF authorized the president to do so. But the court agreed with Hamdi, remember he's a terrorist, that due process entitled a U.S. citizen who was detained in the United States as an enemy combatant as a terrorist to a meaningful opportunity to challenge his designation as an enemy combatant before a neutral decision-maker. Now, that's the, the nub of the matter. Now, anybody with an IQ over 14 understood what I meant, but not Reed Richards. That is, that the terrorists growing out of the Hamni decision, which resulted from the attack on us on 2000, on 9-11, 2001. Now get due process rights. During World War II, terrorists didn't have due process rights. They didn't have habeas corpus rights. This is why this was challenged. This is my point. When I say the president, excuse me, the president of the United States didn't get basic due process rights in the House. And this got very, very, he got very, very excited, did uh, Reed Richardson. Totally ignoring the point. Because he has to. And yet, he and people like him have a very tyrannical attitude towards due process. If the target is somebody they don't like, even politically. Think about that. Think about that. Now, what am I talking about here? It's a good question. You don't know who this guy is. You don't know this website. But that's why I want to educate you about it. Because you should know. Because creeps like this and sleazy websites like this exist. And their goal is to try to diminish people. But it doesn't work. They diminish themselves. Here's the headline. And by the way, 1226 a.m., today. It's got very few comments. I wasn't even aware about it, of it until somebody sent it to me. 
during an interview with staunch Trump defender, Republic, and this, this, these are the phrases they use. This guy's a news guy, writing for a mediaite site. These are the phrases they use. You won't ever hear staunch defender of Pelosi or leftist or anything like that. Republican Congressman Doug Collins, Fox News host Mark Levin, slammed the House impeachment of President Donald Trump and in bizarre analogy said Trump got less due process than the terrorists on 9-11. On a Sunday night Fox News show, the famously pro-Trump Levin continued his months... Now, either I'm famously pro-Trump or I'm a never-Trumper who switched. And I've explained that a thousand times, but it doesn't matter. They're not interested in it. During a discussion with Collins, the far-right conservatives... You see this, Mr. Biden? I'm far-right. No, I'm actually just a traditional conservative. But how would Reed Richardson know, since he's a lunatic? Blasted the impeachment process as having trampled on the president's right. That would be rights. This is really important, I think, said Levin. Well, I played it for you, right? At the mention of 9-11, the camera cut to Collins, whose eyebrows quickly shot up and eyes closed before he quickly nodded in agreement. What does that have to do with anything? doesn't matter. They get, because habeas corpus rights and all these other, the president gets no rights, no consideration, Levin continued. The Republicans, no rights. You just told me you couldn't call a single witness. Same problem in the House Intelligence Committee. They couldn't call a single witness. They wanted to call a whistleblower. Couldn't call the whistleblower. Can't even state the whistleblower's name, let alone the whistleblower. John Bolton didn't go to court. Now you have, let's move to the Senate. Demanding Bolton, so forth and so on. Not long after Levin made his comments on air, the president favorably repeated the terrorist analogy on his Twitter feed. <clears throat> they stalked the president on his Twitter feed. They complain about it, but they can't get enough of it. The president tweeted, In the House, the president got less due process than the 9-11 terrorists got. This is a corrupt process. Mark Levin, very much so. Doug Collins. Since the 19 terrorists who carried out the actual 9-11 hijacking of four U.S. commercial airliners all died while murdering thousands of people. By the way, Mr. Producer, how about the masterminds? They didn't all die, did they, Mr. Producer? At least one of them got due process rights, didn't he? In fact, he may have had a trial, as I recall, in New York. But I could be wrong. And all the demands from the left to shut down Guantanamo Bay. Remember that? All the demands that we apply our own criminal justice system to the enemy. Remember that? That, of course, is what I was talking about, as you all know. uh, Let's see. uh, Hijacking four U.S. commercial all died while murdering thousands of people. Levin had to be referring to the plotters and other associates of the 19 al-Qaeda terrorists captured after the fact. Right. Even got him. Zakaris Musawi was arrested in the U.S. just weeks before 9-11. Pleaded guilty to conspiracy. Swiftly convicted. Currently serving a life sentence. Another purported 20th hijacker, Mohammed al-Kantani, was captured by U.S. forces in Tora Bora, Afghanistan in 01. Reportedly tortured extensively during interrogations after being transferred to Guantanamo Bay in 2002. He was not formally charged with a crime until a military commission did so in February 2008. 
He and other Guantanamo Bay detainees were only granted habeas corpus rights later, after a landmark Supreme Court decision. So, we know that. So the president will be granted due process rights when? By the House. But listen to this idiot. Listen to the moron. Just listen to him. Due process rights later. Could they call witnesses? Could they present evidence? Could they confront their accusers? Their lawyers could. But Trump couldn't. Perhaps the most famous 9-11 plotter, besides Osama bin Laden, who was famously shot dead during a U.S. operations raid on this Pakistani compound in 2011, was Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. That Pakistani terrorist leader was captured in 03 and then secretly jailed in military prisons in Afghanistan and Poland for years before finally being sent to Guantanamo Bay in 06. Three years after his capture, he was repeatedly humiliated and placed in physical, painful stress position for hours and days at a time in an attempt. This guy is such an idiot, it's not even funny. Not even funny. The comparison related to the due process they would receive as a result of this court order in Hamdi. It had nothing to do with the process by which we gathered information to save Americans from attack again. But he's such a leftist. By contrast, the House impeachment hearings began just four months ago, and the Senate trial is expected to be completed within weeks. And while neither the White House nor House Republicans were allowed to call witnesses during the impeachment investigation, which functioned much like a federal grand jury, no, it doesn't. Where does it say that in the Constitution? Nowhere. Nowhere. House Republicans could and did cross-examine witnesses called by House Democrats during the investigation phase. No, that's not what happened. First, they had, you're a liar. First, they had secret testimony in the basement. Then when they sought to ask questions that might even mention the whistleblower, they were cut off. Some of the transcripts still haven't been released, according to Collins, including the one of the, uh, of the IG. They couldn't call witnesses that they wanted to call. Some of the witnesses they proposed, the Democrats wanted as well. But there were witnesses they wanted they could not call. And not a single one of them was allowed. Not one. Just like in the Senate. Where the Democrats are saying, the Republicans, you know, you can't call Hunter, you can't call this one. They're not material. Only the people we want are material. No, the president's lawyer wasn't present, as they were present in the past impeachments. And we can go down the list. But this guy's no problem with this. None. None. Many other relevant government witnesses and documents requested by the House Democrats during the impeachment probe were either barred from testifying or withheld by executive branch. Yeah, separation of power. What does this have to do with Trump having a fair, impartial trial or investigation? Nothing. The Hominy decision, for the first time, conferred habeas corpus rights on terrorists. Donald Trump was denied basic due process rights by leftists. That's the point. Reed Richardson so hates us, so hates what we did to the terrorists in defending this country, is such a left-wing goon, 
He pretends not to understand what's being discussed. But that's not why I do the show. I don't do it for Reed Richardson. Or Mediaite. Or Media Matters. I do it for regular Americans. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Two issues I want to address before the end of the program. Five members of Joe Biden's family got rich through his connections. This is a corrupt family. And of course, the New York slimes in their editorial. Others have addressed it, but not like me, I'm sure. New York Post, Peter Schweizer. The Biden's family, he writes, political figures have long used their families to root, to root a power and benefits for their own self-enrichment. In my new book, Profiles in Corruption, Abuse of Power by America's Progressive Elite, one particular politician, Joe Biden, emerges as the king of the sweetheart deal, with no less than five family members benefiting from his largesse, favorable access, and powerful position for commercial gain. Five. In Biden's case, these deals include foreign partners, and in some cases, even U.S. taxpayers. The Biden family's apparent self-enrichment involves five family members, Joe's son, Hunter, son-in-law, Howard, brothers James and Frank, and sister, Valerie. When this subject came up in 2019, Biden declared, I never talked to my son or with my son or my brother or anyone else, even distant family, about their business interests, period. As we shall see, this is far from the case. Joe's younger brother, James, has been an integral part of the family political machine from the earliest days when he served as finance chair of Joe's 1972 Senate campaign. The two have remained quite close. After Joe joined the Senate, he would bring his brother Joe, uh, his brother James along on congressional delegation trips, places like Ireland, Rome, and Africa. When Joe became vice president, James was a welcome guest at the White House securing invitations to such important functions as a state dinner in 2011, the visit of the Pope in 2015. Sometimes James's visits dovetail with his overseas business dealings, and his commercial opportunities flourished during his brother's tenure as vice president. Consider the case of Hillstone International, a subsidiary of the huge construction management firm Hill International. The president of Hillstone International was Kevin Justice, who grew up in Delaware and was a longtime Biden family friend. On November 4, 2010, according to White House visitor logs, Justice visited the White House, met with Biden advisor Michelle Smith in the Oval Office, of, excuse me, in the office of the Vice President. Less than three weeks later, Hillstone announced that James Biden will be joining the firm as an executive vice president. James appeared to have little or no background on housing construction, but that didn't seem to matter to Hillstone. His bio on the company's website noted his 40 years of experience dealing with principles in business, political, legal, and financial circles across the nation and internationally. Joe Biden was joining Hillstone just as the firm was starting negotiations to win a massive contract in war-torn Iraq. Six months later, the firm announced a contract to build 100,000 homes. It was part of a $35 billion, 500,000-unit project deal won by Track Development, a South Korean company, Hillstone also received $22 million in U.S. federal government contracts to manage a construction project for the State Department. Goes on and on. We know about Hunter Biden. That goes on and on. 
Then there's Howard crying, K-R-E-I-N. Son-in-law. Then there's Frank Biden. Another Joe brother. And then there's Valerie Biden. Owens. Maybe I'll touch on them. I think I will after the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. Levin, the modern voice of the Founding Fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Who doesn't love a good buddy cop movie? There's a new one coming out called The Marvelous Misadventures of Mr. Sanders and his pal Kyle Jurek. And I am told tomorrow will be another shooter drop on the Sanders campaign. James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. But it's under wraps right now, but it's pretty damn compelling. I just saw it. Well, except they're both bad cops and also happen to be Marxists. And it amazes me when I see some of these populist Republicans defending Bernie Sanders against the Democrats. Why are they involved in that? Well, because CNN doesn't want him nominated. What do I care? What do I care? Now, you may be wondering what this is all about. Just tune in to Levin TV. And actually, Project Veritas will tell you. Project Veritas is doing an outstanding job of exposing these radicals on the left. And we gave it in-depth coverage and we will continue to do so. And if that wasn't enough for you, we'll also dig into the latest statement from the Democrats and their conduct and the impeachment trial. We all know these... These articles should have been dismissed outright. But here we are, duking it out. No better place to know the history, the scholarship, and the facts than here on the radio and Levin TV. We'll get to the bottom of it all, the motives, the strategies, and who to hold accountable. So if you don't want to miss any of this, you really need to tune in and and sign up tonight. Tonight. May I encourage you to sign up tonight. Just go to levintv.com right now, levintv.com, for the best television coverage of the impeachment trial you're going to find anywhere. When you go there, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Why? You'll get 10 bucks off. 10 bucks off your annual subscription, which is 10%. And you'll never miss an episode during the important impeachment trial issues and during the election that's levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com, promo code LEVIN, $10 off your annual subscription. And I think it's crucially important. By the way, the uh, press secretary has just announced the congressional members of the president's impeachment team. The following members of the House announced by the president will serve as part of his team working to combat the Outrageous impeachment. Congressman Doug Collins. Congressman Mike Johnson. Congressman Jim Jordan. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. Congressman Mark Meadows. Congressman John Ratcliffe. Congresswoman Elsie Stefanik. Congressman Lee Zeldin. 
These members have been great throughout, and I suspect they'll be great going forward. So in addition to the president's powerful legal team, these are the congressional members of his impeachment team as well. And so they'll all work together, as I understand it, in the process. All right, let's get back to the Joe Biden crime family. There's Howard Krein, K-R-E-I-N, who is he? He's his son-in-law. Be a dream, writes Schweizer in the New York Post, for any new company to announce their launch in the Oval Office at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Startup Health is an investment consultancy based out of New York City. And in June 2011, I'm sure Reed Richardson and Mediate will be covering this, the company barely had a website. The firm was the brainchild of three siblings from New York, Stephen Crean, his CEO and co-founder, while his brother, Dr. Howard Crean, serves as chief medical officer. Sister, Barry, serves as the firm's chief strategy officer. A friend named Unity Stokes is a co-founder and serves as president. Startup Health was barely up and running when in June 2011, two of the company's executives were ushered into the Oval Office of the White House. They met President Barack Obama and Vice President Biden. The following day, the new company would be featured at a large healthcare tech conference being run by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And startup health executives became regular visitors to the White House, attending events in 2011, 2014, and 2015. How did startup health gain access to the highest levels of power in Washington? Nothing particularly unique about the company, but for this. The chief medical officer of the startup, Howard Crean, is married to Joe Biden's youngest daughter, Ashley. Quote, I happened to be talking to my father-in-law that day, and I mentioned Steve and Unity were down there in Washington, recalled Howard Crean. He knew about Startup Health, and he was a big fan of it. He asked for Steve's number and said, I have to get them up here to talk with Barack. Startup Health offers to provide new companies technical written relationship advice in exchange for a stake in the business. Can you imagine that, Mr. Producer? I could do that. Demonstrating and highlighting the fact that you can score a meeting with the President of the U.S., Certainly helps prove a strategic asset. High-level contacts. And Joe Biden continued to help Crean promote his company at several appearances through his last months in the White House, including one in January 17, where he made a surprise showing at a startup health festival in San Francisco. The corporate event, open only to startup health members, enabled 250 people in attendance to chat in a closed session with the vice president. It's all about access. That's what he's talking about. Frank Biden. Joe's brother. March 2009, Vice President Joe Biden landed in Costa Rica aboard Air Force Two and went to Costa Rican President Palace for a one-on-one with President Oscar Arias. The Biden visit had significant symbolic effect. The last time a high-ranking American had visited the country was back in 1997 when Bill Clinton had come. Joe Biden's trip to Costa Rica came at a fortuitous time for his brother Frank, who was busy working deals in that country. Just months after Vice President Biden's visit in August, Costa Rica News announced a new multilateral partnership, quote, to reform real estate in Latin America, unquote, among Frank Biden, a developer named Craig Williamson, and a country club, newly planned resort. The partnership, which appears to be ongoing, was wrapped in a beautiful package as a call on resources available to the companies and individuals to reform the social, economic, environmental practices of real estate developers, Across the world, by example. But in real terms, Frank's dream was to build the jungles of Costa Rica, in the jungles, thousands of homes, a world-class golf course, casinos, an anti-aging center. 
Costa Rican government was eager to cooperate with the vice president's brother. As it happened, Joe Biden had been asked by President Obama to act as the administration's point man in Latin America and the Caribbean. Frank's vision for Country Club in Costa Rica received support from the highest levels of the Costa Rican government, despite his lack of experience in building such developments. And he met with Costa Rican ministers of education and energy and environment, as well as the president of the country. On October 4, 2016, the Costa Rican Ministry of Public Education signed a letter of intent with Frank's company just in time, folks, the waning days of the Obama administration. Sun Fund Americas. The project involved allowing a company called Go Solar to operate solar power facilities in Costa Rica. The previous year, the Obama-Biden administration, OPIC, had authored, uh, authorized a $6.5 million taxpayer-backed loan for the project. And it goes on. Joe Biden's, excuse me, Frank Biden's Sun Fund Americas later announced it had signed a power purchase agreement to build a 20-watt solar facility in Jamaica. You, you see the pattern here, ladies and gentlemen. This is crooked through and through. And just to underscore one of my many points, uniquely stated, one of the reasons, one of the reasons they've gone through this process, this phony impeachment, is to insulate and immunize Biden and his family from investigations, which absolutely kill his presidency excuse me, or his candidacy for the presidency. And you keep hearing the media play along. Well, there's no evidence of no proof. There's been disproved. Now you know what it's all about. Now, we have to move quickly. So I want to move to the New York Slimes. They write a long editorial. It just shows you how obsessed they are with themselves. They write a long editorial trashing Donald Trump and building up Klobuchar and Warren. Two women, but I might add they're white. Are they white supremacists, Mr. Producer? I have no idea. But they're women. And they're telling us that Klobuchar is more of a sort of a centrist, center-left type taking on Warren, who's, you know, the leftist and this needs to be resolved, but there are best choices for the nomination for president against Trump, who must be defeated, given his Hitler-esque and Stalin-esque attitude and policies. First of all, since when is Amy Klobuchar left of center? She is a radical nut job, just like the rest of them. She's trying to kind of reposition herself a little bit, but she's a left-wing nut job. But they say she's from the Midwest. You can't have left-wing nutjobs from the Midwest, really. We have had socialists come out of Wisconsin and run for president of the United States against Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So the Midwest does breed socialists. Many. But Klobuchar now, just so you know, she's a moderate. Just kind of left of center, no big... No, she's not. She's a radical kook. Just like Biden's a radical kook. He may have had some patina of moderation in the past. None now. Although he pretends. But you should see this editorial board. I don't mean for race and religion and genitalia. God forbid. Especially the latter. 
They're all leftists on this editorial board. Why do we care what the New York Times editorial page has to say? Why do we care what a New York Times editorial has to say? They never back Republicans for president, let alone conservatives. And they lie all the time. They say America was founded in slavery in 1619. No, it wasn't. They lie about the state of Israel. They lie about the terrorism in the Palestinian territories. They lie about the president of the United States and Russia. They lied about the Holocaust. They lied about Stalin wiping out the Ukrainians. They have a horrific... Why do we give a damn what the editorial page of the New York Times has to say? I don't. I'm mocking them. May the best woman win, they say. How about may the best person win? But the arrogance of the New York Times trying to pick the Democrat nominee before the first vote is cast in Iowa in a caucus is shocking. It's shocking. Well, Mark, that's the editorial page. It's not the news. Excuse me. I can't tell one from the other. I can't tell Maggie Haberman and the other reprobates who pretend to be writers and news people when you look at their social media posts. I can't tell them from the editorial page. Why is the editorial page that different from the news page and vice versa? Not in the least. Not in the least. There is no diversity of thought at the New York Slimes. Even their phony Republicans are phony who contribute to the op-ed page. But so what? Nobody reads the New York Times to read Brett Stevens or any of the rest of them. They read the New York Times because they're insane leftists. And then when they're done, they take the newspaper and all the little birds they have in their apartment rent-controlled complexes in Manhattan. They use and they recycle, or as they like to say on HGTV, they repurpose it to line their bird cages or wrap their fish. I'll be right back. Mark Wow, conservative review. I want to tip my hat. They're fast, Mr. Producer, aren't they? We'll be linking to them. Hopefully we'll be linking to our brother over there at Right Scoop soon. You want to check out tonight's first hour. And you want, I would suggest you send the link. We'll link to conservative review and other sites that have it to as many of your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers as you possibly can in preparation for the beginning of tomorrow's so-called trial. If this trial's already a sham, according to uh, Sherrod Brown and uh, Schumer and the rest of them, then why have it? But they would know a sham when they see it, wouldn't they? Since this is how they have conducted their careers. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month, or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events, 
Now you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your participation in extending its mission to the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. Happy every year. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. All right. Mr. Producer, I will let you select the caller. Who shall I speak to, please? The great WMAL, Don in Virginia. Go! As uh, it only takes uh, two-thirds majority to remove from office, uh, I would say that anything that the Senate does that moves in that direction requires a two-thirds majority. If the, if the Senate goes ahead and has the trial, as you've indicated, uh, they're giving a tacit approval to the fact that this is a legitimate uh, uh, impeachment. So I would say have the Senate vote specifically on that issue. Is this legitimate, and should we take this up? And that's Sir, 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 sir. The rules are already in place. They're not going to do that. That's number one. Number two, it doesn't say you pay. it's a two-thirds vote on every motion. It's two-thirds vote on whether to remove the president. They still have Robert's rules or Jefferson's old rules that they apply uh, to the rest of the proceedings. Thank you for your call. Who's next? The great WABC, Mike in New Jersey. Go. Yes, how you doing? I want to talk about why I'm a little bit angry that we're talking about rules for witnesses instead of outright dismissal. And I think it goes beyond... Okay, slow down, pal. I've been talking about dismissal for a month. I've been posting about dismissal for a month. I've been writing about dismissal for a month. I've talked about dismissal on Hannity, on Fox and Friends, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Am I supposed to pretend that this debate's not occurring because you in New Jersey don't want to hear about it? I was just hoping to add something to it, Mark. Well, let's hear what and you what have I to, add. to add. Yeah, what I wanted to add was that uh, not only do we have the plain word in the Constitution, but I think precedent can be found in how the Senate treated the 10th article of impeachment in the Andrew Johnson impeachment. They wouldn't hear it because that 10th article didn't allege a specific violation or a specific uh, some sort of specific violation. Well, what actually happened is, you want to know the whole story? They took up three of the 11 articles. They couldn't get them passed. They took a recess. And they came back and they dismissed all the rest of them. That's how it all played out. Your point's a good one, but that's how it all played out. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. By the way, I know who Megan of Mexico can voice Mr. Producer. She can do Goofy for Disney. See you tomorrow. God bless.